All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Josh Bales from The Well Church. As per usual, Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring is here. Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale is here. And we have a very special guest host today, Matt Masevich, the pastor over at Sovereign Grace Fellowship. Glad you're here today, brother. Thank you. Glad to be here. I see that you're representing your gang colors today. Yeah, yeah. I have to be the token <laughs> Baptist in the room. You have a Confession of Faith 1689 London Baptist uh, shirt on. That's excellent. I love it. Yeah. It's not like my closet's full of them, but I do have one. <laughs> so we might have to go out in the parking lot after this and, and you know, scrap it out. But uh, <laughs> Okay. Yep. Yep. No, uh, another evidence that we, we love our Reformed Baptist brothers. Now, you, um, you guys recently adopted the 1689 as part of your kind of constitution or part of your leadership documents? Yeah, basically we have a kind of a two-tiered confession. We have our confession that we've had for multiple years, but in addition to that, we have that um, that layer of the 1689 London Baptist Confession. It's been my personal confession for almost 20 years now. Now, you know that it's Westminster just uh, degraded, right? <laughs> I was going to say it was the Westminster, but just improved. <laughs> but I've heard it both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, what made you guys decide to adopt that? Because I know that you were kind of behind that, and I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, honestly, um, the history of our church goes back you know, a hundred years. Our church actually burned down in the sixties and was rebuilt, but people ask, how long have you guys been there? We've been there for about a hundred years, but our distinctives have changed over a hundred years. We used to, I think back at the beginning, we were more of a Pentecostal type church. And then we moved over into kind of a dispensational type church in the mold of, um, you know, the, the early dispensationalists. And from there, um, we've moved more into the Reformed world. And um, just looking at the history, I said, you know, it's time to plant a flag yeah. and make it very difficult for future generations to change that. Yeah, it's a great so. thing about jumping in the confessions that you're in the historical stream of the yeah. church. Yeah, That's awesome. Totally love it. Well, we have been answering some questions from a couple of R.C. Sproul books. Uh, he has a book called Reason to Believe, Answering Common Objections to Christianity. And then he has another one called Now That's a Good Question. So if you don't like any of these questions today, just go talk to Mr. Sproul and he'll, he'll straighten you out. So today, let's that be, might be difficult. That, well, they can wait till they can wait till they get to heaven. Yeah, then they can ask. <laughs> then they and can find ask out him. what he didn't know. <laughs> um. Okay, so here's the first question today. Um, are other religions and philosophies a threat to Christianity? If yes, in what way? If no, then why concern ourselves with them? Are other religions and philosophies a threat to Christianity? First of all, nothing's a threat to Christianity. Um, you know, the, we're, we're told in Scripture that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Um, we're told that we're to take every... A thought captive to Jesus Christ. So, in that sense, nothing is a true threat. Now, what what does happen is that um, you know the the God of this world blinds people to the truth of the gospel, and uh, He uses all these different philosophies that are out there in order to accomplish that. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, actually, even the the verses that He quoted. <laughs> 
were the verses that I had on the tip of my tongue. So I'm like, okay, well, let's try again. But if Christ is seated at the right hand of God and ruling and reigning and all things are being brought under his feet as a footstool, then then nothing is a threat to Christianity because we're united to Christ. But that said, um, there is a threat to Christians and there is a threat to the to the souls of people who have been blinded, mm-hmm. as as you said, Pastor. So, um, so yeah, we need to go forth from a position of um, God has His elect, and they are being brought in um, through word and sacrament as the hearts of the elect are being conquered by the King. So, mm-hmm. in that sense, um, yes and no. And great damage can be done to the uninformed. I mean, you know the. And Jesus said it would be better that a millstone be tied around uh, the neck and they'd be thrown into the deepest sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And so there is a, you know, um, you know we, we recognize that uh, information uh, has an effect on, um, you know, our children and um, we see that in society all the time. We see, you know, we, we're under, we, there's a certain, degree of secularism that is uh, you know pervaded uh, our nation and we can see even uh, today you know how uh, we live in a what might be called a post-christian nation from you know compared to you know generations before yeah i think throughout bible history what you see is that other philosophies other religions creep into um, the church church of the old testament church of the new testament um, and this is why there are so many warnings in the Old Testament about um, how the nation was to engage with other with other cultures, other nations, and how much they were to um, enter into relationships with them. And I think the threat of religions and philosophies is that they masquerade. Um, they try to portray themselves as a form of Christianity. So they'll they'll contain partial truths. Um, they'll have some forms of Christianity. Um, and so in that way, it ma- makes it more, as Jonathan was saying, the uninformed sometimes get sucked into um, belief systems that are pseudo-Christian, and they're enough away that they lead to error, and that error leads to um, their unraveling. And so in some ways, the threat is that they're close, but not the real thing. Yeah. Um. I, I that's you know so Jonathan and and Matt you guys said exactly what I had written down that that no no religion no philosophy is a threat to Christianity at all however um, these false religions and false philosophies they actually dishonor the Lord so in the book of Job which is is actually like this played out Job's friends have a different worldview of, right. of how God operates and so there are two things that are happening one. Job is getting beat up the whole book and abused by his friends who are have this different view of God, different view of sin. Somehow you did something to cause all this. Right. And so that um, wrong view of, of the faith harmed Job. And at the end of the book, um, the Lord says in chapter 42, 
um, verse 7, after the Lord had spoken these things to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my anger burns against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So, no, the faith is not harmed at all, but Christ, uh, God, the Holy Spirit are dishonored by these false views. Yeah. And I think what we need to be diligent about is as we encounter those differences in philosophies and world religions, we need to be faithful to say, okay, where according to the word of God are these out of bounds? Where have they gone astray? Where have they somehow um, sacrificed the authority of scripture and faithfully go through and, and intelligently go through and say, no, this is wrong because and not just say it's wrong because it's not Christian. It's wrong because it's not Christian because these, these are the specific places that they violate the clear teaching of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you'll see the biggest errors with regard to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which brings us right back to the confessions, which is what we started on. It's kind of a guardrail. You ask, why did we do it at Sovereign Grace Fellowship? That was one of the main reasons, to have a guardrail so we wouldn't have doctrinal drift. But, you know, it's interesting. It says in 2 Corinthians, um, you know, chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And notice this in verse 5, we destroy arguments. Arguments. In other words, challenges against the Christian faith. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, um, although it's not a threat to Christianity, there are several warnings about threats to the local church. Yeah and to Christians, and a lot of these are these um, these strongholds that are being spoken about. Yeah, I think what's important on this particular question, so the question was, is are other religions and philosophies a threat to Christianity? We've given our answers thus far. I think in, in, in answering this question, we do need to be able to make a distinction between different doctrines. Like we bantered at the beginning of the show mm. uh, that you are so wrong on baptism, and yeah. you are so right. But we, yeah. we I'm, I'm learning. We would never, though, <laughs> we would never say that you're outside of, of Christendom. We have a category. I mean, even if you compare the 1689 and the Westminster, they're, they're in large agreement for like the first 20, 21 chapters, so, somewhere around the there. first six chapters. Is it, is it only the first six? No, we're in large agreement on, on over every one. Chapter seven, which is covenant, we, we okay. There's disagree. some distinctions in covenant, but but that's the thing. You're not on the you're not on the dispensational side. There's still oh, not definitely not. Right. No. So the point is, is that um, when we're talking about these other religions and philosophies that bring different doctrines, we do need to make a distinguishing a mark between doctrines that are unChristian, yeah, and doctrines that are merely secondary doctrines within Christendom. Open hand and closed hand issues. Yeah. yeah. And we all as pastors get those all the time, you know, because sometimes people will come into my church and I, I know that it happens to yours as well. And they probably don't even know what a reformed church is. They just know that you're a Bible proclaiming church and that's what resonates with them. Right. But right. then they have questions. Well, what about, what about this stuff? What about speaking in tongues? What about um, this, that, and the other? Just like Josh when he wrote that letter when he was still in the vineyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had all a those decade questions. and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, I had all those questions. No, I'm, and, you know, there are things, you know, that are just mere interpretive things. You know, there is, you know, 
there are some things that we're not going to know uh, entirely. Uh, we can be, we can say, "Thus says the Lord" about something. Yeah. But you know, there are, you know, right beside us is a godly individual saying, "Thus says the Lord," yeah. with their same figure in the text. Um, and uh, you know, you, particularly as preachers, we know we'll pick up, you know, a half dozen commentaries, and there's nuances in there, and we have we we have to study ourselves. Yeah to be approved uh, unto God so that we rightly uh, discern what that word says. Yeah. And I think we have to be careful that within the church we don't go after those that are actually on the same team and forget about the fact that we live in mm-hmm. a culture that, as Jonathan said, is is adrift, um, is less Christian than it used to be. I mean, Francis Schaeffer would say that we're, we're actually running out of Christian capital um, in our country, in our society. And I think we have to be clear on on the essentials of the Christian faith. We need to be able to be clear and articulate when we deal with those that are out of bounds, mm-hmm. that have not, I mean, just for simplicity's sake, that don't uh, uh, confess the Apostles' Creed, the yeah. essentials of the faith. Mm-hmm. And if they're outside of that, then, then we need to be clear about, well, why are they in error? Yeah. Why are they detrimental to the cause of Christ and the, and the work of God in his world? Um, and then do so in a way that is um, pointing people back to the Word of God. Amen. And and saying, no, these these are the reasons why we are troubled by the teaching of this particular sect or this philosophy or this cult or this worldview, whatever it might be, and continually dialogue with them in a way that puts them back to the Word of God and doesn't undermine other brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And and we just recognize that we're working together for a common cause. Amen. Speaking of a common cause, coming up October 21st and 22nd is our annual Reformation Boise Conference. Uh, go to ReformationBoise.com. Register for free. Dr. Joel Beakey, Dr. Derek Thomas. The theme this year is The Church. You're not going to want to miss it. October 21st and 22nd. Go to ReformationBoise.com. This has been the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 